Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him, the mouthpiece for the faith and work movement. We're your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you are not aware, you can actually watch our interviews on our YouTube channel. And we it's customized, so just I Work For Him. I Work, the number for him. Go find us on YouTube. Subscribe to the videos. Uh, subscribe to our channel. So every week when a new one pops up, you'll be able to just go there and watch it. I know I love that opportunity because I know that there's something about connecting with somebody when you actually see them having the conversation. Um, podcasting is great and we're still there as well, but I just want to make sure people are aware of the YouTube channel. I work for him. Yeah. And of course we always have all of our funniest home videos on there and everything. No. Oh, that's no, we don't di- do that? No, oh, that's no. a different channel? Those are private. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't post any funny videos. On, although every once in a while oh, we'll we po- do. post when we're on the road. But yes, sure. we'd also like to invite you to check out the Awaken Podcast Network, awakenpodcastnetwork.com. Find out more about that online. You know, God designed all of us to be leaders. How do I know this? Jesus handed down an assignment that designates all of us to lead others back to him. So what does it take to be a great leader in challenging times? Some would say tempered leaders. Leaders that have been pounded, beaten, attacked, hardened, fought in the heat of battle. Leaders who have faced great opposition, who have come out with tempered resilience. Resilience that represents our ability to rebound in the face of great challenges. Leaders who who demonstrate tempered resilience are leaders without pride issues, leaders without privilege. These are tried and true leaders who have earned their position and a right to be heard. Todd Bolzinger comes back on our work for him to, ta- to talk about his latest book, Tempered Resilience. Todd Bolzinger is a senior fellow at the Dupree Center and an associate professor of leadership formation at Fuller Seminary. Todd, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim and Martha, thank you very much for having me back. It's nice to see you again. You know, we loved your last book, Canoeing the Mountains, and would recommend that every pastor who's listening to this podcast, this broadcast, to read Canoeing the Mountains. It is a life-changing book. I have told hundreds and hundreds of people personally about it, but your latest book I love because we have been telling people forever that God uses adversity in our lives to take us from who we are to who we can use more effectively. But mm-hmm. let's step back for a second. Let's get personal. As we always do at the beginning of the show, what has the Lord been working on in you recently? Ah, thank you for that. Well, a huge part of it has been developing resilience. <laughs> like, like basically everything I write comes out of my own experience and trying to lead change in a, an incredible institution like Fuller Seminary and working with pastors literally all over the country who are trying to bring change to their congregations so that we can be more missionally effective and faithful for Christ has really tested my own capacity um, and needed my, and it's made me realize my own need for ongoing development as a leader. So yeah, I've been living the book that I, that I wrote and I've continued to live into it. So as you are living it, is that what prompted you then to write about it or um, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that and, and why you actually saw this, you know, or had an aha moment that said, I need to write a book. A book about yeah this. yeah thank you Martha it's um so for about five years I've traveled all over the country about a hundred thousand miles a year talking about the uh, canoeing the mountains mm-hmm. and really canoeing the mountains is about how you lead when you are no longer able to rely on your expertise you actually have to learn as you go 
And that means that every single step you take forward, you're probably having to let something go, which is really painful, right? Mm -hmm. So learning and loss are at the center of adaptive leadership. And what I realized is I would finish speaking to groups and usually some really generous person would say, hey, let's feed you lunch before we put you back on a plane. And then over lunch, they would say, thanks very much for that. Can we get your PowerPoint slides? I just hope we have somebody who can do that. And I would go, oh my gosh, I got to do a better job of training. And they would go, no, 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 no. It's not about the school skills. It's about how hard that work is. That's really hard to do. It's hard to disappoint people. It's hard to tell them that you don't have easy answers. It's, it's really hard. And so one pastor looked at me and said, I think I can learn to lead change. I'm not sure I can survive it. And so I started looking more closely at what that took. Wow. You know, I remember years ago, Jim, we were going through something and we actually heard about resilience for the very first time, like as a, as an, as something that's built inside of you, like Mm -hmm. I am, or not built built inside of you. That was one of the things we discovered. Like I did not know that me as a person, I am built with more resilience than Mm -hmm. my spouse. You know, Jim mm, I had a, I will struggle with resilience. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's talk about that for just a minute. I mean, it overall, when you meet people, especially you know pastors and leadership and the people you're speaking to, do you find that people are innately resilient, or do they need to mm. learn what that even means for them? Yeah, so I think resilience is one of those characteristics that actually is formed, not found. It actually depends upon our life circumstances, the challenges we've faced. Sometimes it's our upbringing. And for those of us who have been uh, raised or built in environments where we haven't had to face as much adversity, we tend not to have as much resilience. And so one one author, Andrew Zolli, defined resilience as maintaining core purpose and integrity in dramatically changing circumstances. It's an interesting definition because if you know me at all, maintain is not a verb that gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> like I'm not a maintained person. I'm just going to maintain. But maintaining core purpose and integrity, like maintaining what's the most important thing about who you are, that's really hard when you get knocked off center, when things come, when things go don't go your way, right? So you have an integrity in your marriage and then all of a sudden you hit trials and you realize How do we maintain that integrity in our marriage or our purpose for our lives or our families? And what we started realizing is that that's actually something that needed to be formed into people. And here's the hard part. It can only be formed when you're in the crucible, when you're in the challenge. You you can't form that ahead of time. You form that in the challenge. And one of the things I write in the book is that leaders are formed in the leading. And that's one of the hard parts about it. So you live in California. So Mm -hmm. you have had... Lots of opportunities over the last 12 months to put this into practical application. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. tempered resilience. I mean, California has the most people in the country in a state. Um, you have the most uh, it challenging environment as far as the COVID response because of the huge population centers that you've got. How have you seen you, your ability to live out with tempered resilience when things mm. change all the time? And, and also being in an environment where you are typically in large crowds, because that's what mm. your life is all about. Speaking to large mm. crowds, you're a teacher, so you teach in the crowds. I mean, this is, you've got some practical application of your book. Yeah, yeah. So uh, March 13th last year, a year ago, um, I, was, I came off a plane after um, speaking to a group in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. While, when I went through the Denver Air, uh, International Airport, United, Airox, United Airlines handed me a Clorox wipe. 
And when they said, wipe down your own seat so we, you can say safe for the coronavirus. And I realized if this airline that keeps people safe at 30,000 feet all day long needs me to wipe down my own seat, we have a serious thing. And in the next weekend, I lost 15 speaking engagements, which is about half of my year. I travel about 30 weeks, 30 times a year. And I didn't know what I was going to do like in terms of my speaking and what I usually do. I had no idea that I would end up having 105 webinars. I ended up speaking to more people in 2020 than I did in 2019 and 2018 combined. And I launched the Church Leadership Institute at Fuller during the pandemic. Because what we started to realize was, yes, we were right in the crucible of change, but if we could put into practice these um, principles of adaptive leadership and resilience, we actually had opportunities to make an impact because people were in the middle of a crisis. And so I spent a lot of my time speaking to groups about how not to waste a crisis. (laughs) And that's ultimately, it's about applying adaptive leadership and resilience in leadership in the moment of crisis. And there's been a lot of opportunities to have adaptive leadership in the last mm-hmm. year, for sure. All right. We're talking today with Todd Bolzinger. He written, he's written this latest book, Tempered Resilience, but I recommend you check out all the books by Todd Bolzinger. Let's see. You can at least read the title on that out there on the Zoom call, uh, on, the, on the video out there on YouTube, and you can also just check it out online. What's the best website for people to go find out about all the books for Todd Bolzinger? Well, you know, at, um, at the Church Leadership Institute, which is dupree.org slash church, dupree.org slash church, we have a connection to all of my resources. And one of the easiest ways for people to connect is just by sending a text. They send the word change to 66866, change 66866. We're, we do change leadership, so change to 66866. And it gets you connected to the work we do at the Church Leadership Institute, and then all of our books are connected there, too. I'm thinking you got way too many sixes in that number. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's said, easy they, to remember. That's right. When they, when they gave me that number, I said a pastor shouldn't have that many sixes. That's <laughs> right. There's an eight in the middle, right? Six, six, eight, six, six. All yes. right. So check out Todd. And that's T-O-D out there at Dupree.org forward slash church. We'll be right back. I hate having my picture taken. It's such an inconvenience because I have to worry about my hair and... Oh, wait, I actually love having my picture taken because I have no hair and I can make funny faces all the time like this. Check Martha and I out on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest on iWorkFram and, of course, those occasional last-minute special event podcasts that we do and funny pictures and conversations. Just search for I Work For Him. That's I Work, the number four, him. Hey, welcome back to I Work For Him as we talk with Todd Bolsinger about his latest book, Tempered Resilience, which we recommend you get a copy of this. Listen, if you're a leader of any kind, you know. And really, what, what defines a leader? We've learned this over the years of being on I Work For Him. If you have influence over another person, you are a leader. So that puts everybody in the leadership category. And Jesus intended it for us to use our influence over other people to introduce them to him. Todd, your ministry is not primarily about evangelism, but it's it's primarily about challenging leaders who are discipling and evangelizing others at Dupree Center for Faith. Well, it used to be Dupree Center for Faith and Work. Now it's Dupree Center, Dupree.org, and you're in charge of the church division, Dupree.org forward slash church. Why don't you just talk about what you do on a day-to-day basis, and then we're going to talk about how you defined tempered resilience and tempered resilience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically every single day I wake up in the morning and I am either developing a course or I'm coaching 
or we're developing cohorts for teams, or we're consulting entire congregations. That's what we do. We And every single thing is focused on a very specific challenge, which is how do we help faith leaders become faithful change leaders? Mm. Um, we have to be able to navigate change, and we've got to be able to do so without losing our souls, and we have to be able to do so in a way that actually furthers the gospel. And so that's what we do. We help faith leaders become faithful change leaders, and we do that every single day. So now define for us the word tempered and the word resilience, and then how you put them together. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, um, the, the language comes out of that famous um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speech where he says, you know, I have a dream. And one of the lines he has there is, um, with this faith, he says, after, after doing a beautiful expose, a quick expose of Isaiah 40, when the world is going to be transformed by God's power, with this faith, we will be able to hew out of a mountain of despair, stones of hope. Hew. There's a good one-syllable word that most of us don't think about. Mm-hmm. Hew is different than bash or batter or blow up or back down. Hew means to actually transform or carve or shape. And so a tempered tool is like a chisel, not a sledgehammer. It's a tool that can take and chisel out of, dis- of a mountain of despair stones of hope that you can build something. I I think first Peter, right? Come to him a living stone and let yourself as living stones be built into a dwelling place for God. So a tempered tool is a tool that is stronger. It's more resilient than its original material. It's also flexible. And that's the key. There's a combination of wisdom and strength of flexibility and conviction that have to be together in a leader who can transform resistance into something that demonstrates God's presence and power in the world. Well, and, and just turn that into, you know, there's people out there go tempered. I don't really understand. I've heard the word tempered, tempered glass, tempered steel. Steel, when it's first melted and put together in, in formation, it is actually very brittle. I mean, it doesn't, yeah. it, you, if you bend it, it will crack and break. Yeah. You temper it, which is pounding it, you pound it, and you temper it, and eventually it can be very flexible, which is what high-rise buildings are made out of. In the wind, they bend back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's freaky. We don't like to think about that. I've been, it's freaky, <laughs> but I've been in some tall buildings and, and at 50-mile-an-hour winds, and you're feeling like, hey, the building's moving. Yes, it's good that the steel is tempered. Same thing with glass. Tempered glass, when it breaks, it, it's incredibly flexible, but when it breaks, then it breaks up into those little pieces that are no longer sharp or going to cut anybody. In Florida, mm-hmm. we live with tempered glass everywhere because our wind during a hurricane flexes things extraordinarily. Mm-hmm. But it's a freaky thing to watch your sliding glass door flex a half an inch in a storm. All right. But tempered resilience in the, in the life of a leader, Todd, what does that look like? What it mostly looks at is your capacity to continue to adapt um, adapt your core values without losing them. It's your ability to be able to wisely apply your deepest convictions in a way that makes an impact in a changing world. So one of the parts we talk a lot about is as the world around us, around us changes, we've got to figure out how to wisely apply the gospel and the convictions of the, of the kingdom to these circumstances without losing or compromising them, but without recognizing that we, we, many of us, they've become brittle. We are trying to hold on to old models so firmly that very quickly our convictions are explode in the face of a changing world. So what it takes is it's a formation process to develop resilience. It takes a process of, we say it's reflection, relationships, and practices, a, 
a set of practices that you build into your life to develop the wisdom and flexibility, the strength and um, conviction that will enable you to be able to wisely lead change. So I think, first of all, about this past year, like no other time in history, everyone is affected by something, right? We all have this um, change was inevitable. It was put upon us, you know, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think there's just so many things Mm -hmm. I'm thinking right now for the first time ever, like everybody probably needs to be practicing. How do Mm -hmm. we have tempered resilience? So what happens when you meet a leader that, doesn't go through this process. Like what kind of a leader are they if they mm-hmm. um, aren't going to learn about tempered resilience? Yeah. Well, so, so think about this in two ways, Martha. Yep. Every person needs more resilience and wisdom than ever. Every person of faith, every person of conviction. Now here's the most difficult part. For most leaders, the big challenge isn't that the world around us has changed. And it has, right? Somebody said we're in 1918, 1929, and 1968 all at the same time. We have a health crisis, an economic crisis, a crisis of social injustice all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to lead people through that. Now, here's what we discovered when we talked to leaders. If you ask them the most difficult thing in their life, they would say it's not the external challenges. It is the internal resistance of my own people who say they want to be witnesses for Christ in that changing world and then resist it, get angry. They want to go back. It's exactly what we see in the book of Exodus when when the Israelites are freed to go to the promised land. And six weeks after the Red Sea, they're saying, oh, you know what? We should go back to slavery. I mean, they killed our children, but at least we had leeks and onions for lunch. We should go back. And that creates a crisis for the leader. What, What one person called a the temptation toward a failure of nerve where you give in and you start going back. Remember, everybody wants to be in familiar territory. And that means very often we stop the process of transformation that's needed. And that's true for a leader. And that's especially true when a leader is facing that when their own people mm-hmm. are divided or resistant or unwilling to change or grow. And that's that's the soul-sucking experience for most well, And all of us struggle with change. There isn't anybody that goes, I mm-hmm. love change. Because there are no, certain things, no. there are certain parts of our life where we're like, we're okay with change over here, but over here, we don't want change. And, and when somebody mm-hmm. wants to change this, we're like, yeah, I'm not, the, no, thank you. I kind of like that. I like being whatever that may be. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it, it's just like, you know, today, uh, cars. Did you know that I, I lent my car to somebody the other day and they're like, I couldn't figure out how to, how to get the car door unlocked. I'm like, what do you mean? Because well, I haven't used a key in forever. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> we used keys for the first 50 years we drove. Now you don't know how to use start the car because you don't know how to use a key? I mean, come on. Okay, that's a bad example. Hey, we're talking to Todd Bolsinger today about his brand new book. Sorry, Bolsinger. Bolsinger. It's with an S. It's Bolsinger, not a, not a Z. Todd Bolsinger wrote this book, Tempered Resilience. Get a copy of this. Check him out online, dupree.org forward slash church and see all the great work they're doing. And maybe you can get a copy of this for your favorite leader in your life, Tempered Resilience. We'll be right back with more from Todd. One of the ways I keep Jim under control is to tell him to go write something. It's sometimes the only quiet I get during the day. I would love it if you would go and subscribe to our weekly blog so I can keep getting those quiet moments every week. I could use more, but I will be grateful for at least that one half hour. Jim's blog is written from his heart on what our Father is speaking loudly to him right now. 
I think you'll enjoy it. Iworkforhim.com and click on the word blog to subscribe. Now we're back talking with Todd Bolsinger about his book, Tempered Resilience, and really about the concept of resilience and being tempered. Todd, it is so true that God... Can I ask a question first? Well, okay, you can. I'm going to ask a question. So if listeners are thinking about this book and they're kind of enamored by this whole concept of, res- of tempered resilience and they love their a leader in their life or they are a leader themselves, like who... Who should be, what should they be doing about getting a book? I mean, do they buy one for themselves and and buy one for the other person and say, hey, let's read it together? Can I buy a case for the church? What you are you know? say, I mean, you got <laughs> issues, you need to read this yeah. book. I mean, what's the best approach? Because obviously we That's want great. them to pick up the book and open it. Yeah. So give yeah. us a little advice there. Well, well, one of the things with the book, they're actually, they also sold us, we also build a study guide. It's okay. meant to be studied in relationship. And here's why one of the, single most important factors for leaders going through change to develop resilience is relationships. Mm. So I tell, a, I use a big blacksmithing illustration. I, I actually went to an urban blacksmithing community in Los Angeles. There hasn't been a horse there in a hundred years, but there's a group of people doing blacksmith and you they'll teach the blacksmith. And the very first thing you get is there's a fire that melts down that steel. So it gets it ready to be able to take, uh, to take the pounding and to be transformed but there's an anvil. They give you your own anvil. I put my name on it. I have a picture of an anvil with my name on it. And for me, the anvil is the relationships. And most leaders don't have enough relationships. Oh, so true. They need partners, they need mentors, and they need friends. Those are three different categories, right? Partners are the people who share my mission. They care more about my mission than they even care about me. They're the ones saying, you got to stay, you got to keep doing what the Lord has called you to do. Friends are actually people who care about me more than they care about my mission. My friends are the people who go, hey, congratulations, you sold a new book. And I went, yeah, I got wrote a new book. I go, you want a copy? They go, no. <laughs> like, I care about you, Todd. I don't want to read your book. Your mentors are people who, I say my mentors are people who care about me for the sake of my mission. And that's really where what, what I do and what we do at the Church Leadership Institute. We're in that mentor category. So if you talk about friends, if you are somebody, your listener hears this and says, hey, our church needs to have leaders who are more tempered, resilient. Our pastors do. I would say, then think of yourself as creating an anvil of relationships where together you study and develop this capacity. Because it's one of the ways you hold each other in these, these times. Well, the good news is you're having influence over an entire seminary at Fuller mm-hmm. Seminary in California. And so as part of the Dupree Center, which used to be the Dupree Center for Faith and Work, where it was, yeah, wasn't it what it used to be? And then you made it. It still is. It, it yeah. still is. Yeah. It just made it shorter because they, I don't know, they couldn't buy the website or something Every, like we that. We abbreviate everything. D- Dupree.org. But the cool part is you're training up leaders that will be future leaders of Christian nonprofits and churches to understand mm-hmm. these concepts because you can't be a great leader in the kingdom of God without tempered resilience. This is the process God uses to get us out of the way so he can use us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But we have to get through this and we have to be able to bounce back when things get tough. Todd, talk about a time in your own life that resilience was the key to recovery. Yeah, well, it's actually one of the things, you know, going back to the notion that you end up usually learning things before you know what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was in the book, I tell a story of, of what it was like to try to lead my church through a huge, massive capital campaign 
Um, I mean, tore down every building on the campus except for our sanctuary. And then we remodeled that. We were in, we were over 10 years, we were in dust and dirt and distraction. And the people in the church, you know, were very excited at first. But one of the key leaders we made mad, one of the key donors we made mad. And I discovered ultimately that he basically got a group of friends together and was going to try to take the whole project down. And it was one of the hardest parts is when we learned about it, we had to figure out how do we handle this? And one of the things I needed was the maturity to not just get reactive and mad and angry. I needed to realize that, hey, he was still part of my congregation. He deserved to get pastoral care and love, even if he didn't agree with the, with the building project, even if he was getting friends to come against it, he still deserved to be here and be loved and hopefully be discipled so that he would come alongside. And that we needed to be faithful in the midst of this project we believe that God had called us. And so it was a decade-long process of having to be uh, stay calm, manage ourselves, stay connected, stay relationally connected to people, and then keep the conviction that if God has asked us to take on this project, that God would bless it. And that that was a decade-long process of my life for developing resilience. Mm. You know, it's great to hear that you have your own example, because I think a lot of times people think it's all just ethereal, but you're like, nope, I've lived through this and, um, and, and continuing to grow. And I think that's one of the things that we can all take away is that, you know, God has amazing things for us to do, but we we, we need to grow as humans, as individuals, and tempered resilience can help people to do that. So in the life of a leader, what does the process of tempered resilience actually look like and feel like? Like, are there certain things they wake up every day and go, okay, this is what I'm going to do today to, to mm-hmm. practice <laughs> my tempered yeah, resilience? Yeah, yeah. So, so the most important thing to recognize is that, that resilience is, def- is developed in the crucible of leadership. Like, so, so you, it's not something you can prepare for. You can, you can prepare by being wait, the person wait, wait. who is. You have to tell why. people what a crucible is, Mr. Blacksmith. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So crucible is literally like the moment of heat, deep heat and challenge, like the crisis, right? Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself, I always say this is the hard part. When you become a leader, it's right after you were successful at something else that was not leading, right? You become the leader because you are good at something else, right? Mm-hmm. So you're the best salesperson. They make you the sales manager, yeah. right? You're great with clients, not a group of salespeople, right? You're the best, you know, speaker. You're good, you know, you're good at speaking to people. They make you the pastor. Now you have to run the whole church, right? So the hard part is the minute you step into leadership, that becomes a crucible, Harry Truman used to say, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what I would say to most leaders is the kitchen is actually isn't even hot enough. For you to really be transformed, you have to actually go into the fire of your own vulnerability. So where it starts is your own ability to do deep self-reflection. Come before the Lord and acknowledge, hey, I need your help. I make mistakes. I need you to grow me. I need to continue to grow even though I'm the leader I got to look at these people who want me to be perfect and I got to admit my imperfections so that we can grow together through it. It starts with your own ability to do deep self-reflection. And that's a process of confession and lament and honesty before God that many of us as leaders have skipped. And that's the people, the leaders you see later having crises, falling, moral crisis, burnout, because they didn't learn how to have the vulnerability to continue to be shaped and grown. So it starts in reflection. And then we talk about some other steps like relationships and practices that go through. So let me ask a question though. It's, 
is it best to read the book before you're in the crisis so that you can reference those great ideas when you're in the crucible? <laughs> well, this is so interesting. So I teach leadership, right? So, so with, for my master's students, many of them are getting ready to go into seminary mm-hmm. and they read the book and they write really good papers and they say, this will be helpful someday. My doctoral students, they are already leaders. They read this book and they're saying stuff like, Every single, every single day I'm putting a note on there. I had a person write me yesterday, a senior pastor, and said, all I did throughout the entire book is nod and write yes in the margins. Wow. Like, this is my experience. So the whole point of the book is it's really to be, a, it's like any other like map or manual. Yes, you should read ahead of time and learn these pro- principles, but you're also going to be learning it as you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so important. And I'm so glad that you guys at Fuller Seminary are prepping your future pastoral leaders to be ready for this. They can't yeah. understand it until they've gone through it, mm-hmm. but at least to be aware, hey, guess what? Yeah. Life's going to suck for a while and it's going to mm-hmm. be hard and you're going to want to crawl into a, a hole and crawl into a ball and just weep <laughs> because it's so hard. But yet God uses that uh, for his glory and honor. It's amazing. This this book, Tempered Resilience, is a fantastic read. It's got so much great stuff. Todd Bolsinger, thank you so much for bringing this to the I Work Ram audience. Are, are you willing to give away a free copy of this book? I mean, yeah, you bet. Okay. You bet. Okay. Actually, yeah, have someone just, you know, if they contact me at the school, at the school, first person to contact me today, I'll send them a book. I'll sign it and send it to you. All right. Dupree.org forward slash church. That's how you can contact Todd Bolsinger. Thanks so much for being on I Work Ram. Yeah, you bet. You've been listening to I Work Ram with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iworkforhim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at I Work For Him to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at I Work For Him and online, iworkforhim.com. I work the number four, him.com.